Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 44. I'm your host, Sofatar, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? I'm doing really well after that intro, man. I love the energy. Yeah, I mean, I had to listen to some Drake to get hyped up before this, um, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't too keen on that, but I, I enjoyed it. I, What's I enjoyed wrong with it. Drake? There's nothing wrong with Drake. In fact, I love to have him on the podcast. <laughs> He could talk about Toronto FC. He yeah, is sure. really into the, the the athletics in that city. I, yeah, I I don't know if he goes to Toronto FC matches, but I think I th- wasn't he like on the phone convincing Josie Altidore, Michael Bradley to come to Toronto. Wasn't that a thing? I've never heard that, but I'm interested to research that after this podcast. Okay, <laughs> that would be we'll awesome. Do, we will do that. Um. Anyways, so before we get into the soccer portion of the podcast, which is basically the whole podcast, let's talk about Ambitious Strike, the amazing sports apparel brand. Uh, you can check out their merchandise at ambitiousstrike.com. If you want to get 15% off on your entire purchase, enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. That's BROTHERS. That is BROTHERS, yeah. As always, the link to their website is in the description. Go check them out. Phenomenal clothing. Yeah. All right. So on May 25th, 2016, the U.S. played Ecuador in a friendly. Uh, this was on a Wednesday. It was in Frisco, Texas at Toyota Stadium. Not Toyota Park. That would be Chicago Fire Stadium. Toyota Stadium. <laughs> okay. Um, and we didn't really get to see that many seats filled in the stadium. But uh, They've done a terrible job. They had the U23 playoff against Columbia too, Frisco. They never fill the seats for yeah, soccer no, matches. I, I don't. It's absolutely terrible. And I think that's the third match this year with under 10,000 fans at, at a U.S. men's national team match. That's, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. Have the matches in... Like, don't you want to make money? And part of it is the ticket prices, but... I don't know, have it in places that want soccer. Why not have a, a friendly in Seattle? The last match we had, I don't think we had a friendly in Seattle since our match against uh, Panama in, in the World Cup qualifier. We haven't had a match there. Uh, it was a phenomenal atmosphere. You know, Columbus, I understand if they don't want to have friendlies there because, you know, it sort of ruins the aura of, of Columbus Crew Stadium or Mop First Stadium. But I didn't feel like there were some NASL cities that could get more attendance, like Sacramento or something. I mean, those yeah, stadiums exactly. might not be big enough, I guess. But yeah. Like, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, but uh, we saw Jurgen open up with a 4-3-3 before this match. By the way, we won 1-0 uh, due to a goal from Darlington Nagby. Uh, but, you know, starting from the beginning, Jurgen opened up in a 4-3-3. We had an interesting front line. We saw Zuzi play uh, at right wing. And we saw Clint Dempsey at kind of a striker, a false nine role. Yeah. And then um, on the left, we had Jossie Zardes, a man who none of us wanted to see. <laughs> well, I don't know about <laughs> none of us wanted to see. Um, yeah, you know, it was an interesting front line. And, you know, Graham Zussi is, is vital to the team because, one, he, he puts in a, a very good cross. Uh, he's also pretty good on set pieces. He also provides a lot of defensive cover, and he does have that burst of pace from time to time. I know this is the second half, but you know, remember at the edge of the box, he runs into the box, sort of surges forward and puts in a cross with his left foot. He has the ability. Um, Jassy Zardes should not be starting. Neither of these guys, Zardes or Zussi, should be starting over Bobby Wood and Christian Pulisic. And like I said in the last podcast, if you think, oh, Christian Pulisic is too young, Zardes or Zuzi should start, ask yourself if Jossie Zardes and Graham Zuzi could play and score for Borussia Dortmund. Just ask yourself that. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, there definitely could have been reasons that he wanted to get bring Pulisic uh, off the bench, but yeah, I, I understand. I don't expect Zardes to start during, actually. 
No, I expect him to start. Okay, I expect him, but he shouldn't start. Yeah. But I think that this whole look with Dempsey at the False Nine isn't a bad idea, although I am a proponent of Bobby Wood. Um, you know, we saw him play on the wing in the second half. We'll talk about that in a bit. But right. one of the key examples of where we see Dempsey in this deeper role is in the 29th minute when he tried to play a, a lob through ball over the last line of the Ecuadorian defense into Jossie's artist. He had a bad touch and he couldn't yeah. get a shot on target. But um, it was a great scoop yeah. pass. It was a great oh, scoop yeah, pass. Great yeah, pass. And Dempsey provides those type of plays. And I think that's why Bobby Wood is effective on the wing if Dempsey is playing in the false nine because Bobby Wood has smart he, he engages in smart runs right he has the vision he has the ability to pick out where he needs to be and we saw that on the goal too he came back into the box and headed headed it back to Nagby I don't know if Zardes has that same ability um or the same awareness Zardes sort of just runs forward and that's about it and you know he 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 does some things well but he doesn't create his own chances he's not not really in the right spot, and his first touch is awful. His first yeah. touch is absolutely terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And Zardes's goal to game ratio for the U.S. national team is worse than Michael Orozco's goal to game ratio in the U.S. national team, and I think that says a lot. Although you know, Michael Orozco has scored some. Yeah, I mean that's that's a decent ratio. Yeah, I mean he's he scored some clutch goals, but I just I don't see I don't see why Giassi's artist should yeah. start. Yeah, I think Bedoya Zusi. I know Bedoya was playing centrally, but I think Bedoya, Zuzi, Nagby, Pulisic, Wood, even Dempsey on the wing would are all better options on the wing than Giassi's artist. I definitely think he could also make a bigger impact if you're going to play him on the bench than you would starting the game. Yeah. But uh, and can I be honest? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't mean to cut you off. But but I think I would rather see Chris Wondolowski in the match than Giassi's artist. And I know that's a bold thing to say. Well, Jossie's artist isn't playing striker. No, I know. I, I, I know, but... <laughs> it's... I, I just... I don't know I, about that. I mean, yeah, maybe in the Copa America. I'm more confident in Wando's ability in the box than Jossie's artist. I know yeah. Wando had, has a couple of misses, but... At least he... he Wando is an intelligent player. I'm not saying Jossie's artist is not an intelligent person. I just don't think he has the awareness yet. That's something he can develop. But you see players like Pulisic, Nagby, Wood. These guys have natural instinct and, yeah. and, and the ability to know where they need to be at the right time. Yeah. With players like Zardes and Zuzi, and I think what Klinsman was going for at the beginning of this match was they're players <clears throat> excuse me, who, who are naturally more central players. I mean, Zuzi obviously experienced playing in the central midfield. And then Zardes, the kinds of runs he makes are more through the center, kind of like Ethan Finley runs rather than like um, you know, trying to beat people one on one on the sides. Yeah, but, so, but but Finley, I'm sorry, but Finley is able to beat people one on one. Yeah, I mean, we saw that yeah, yeah. on his cross. Uh, who was that against? I can't even remember. Well, you would agree that he's that he's mostly getting in behind the defense. He's more. He's direct. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would agree with that. I just think but, Finley can create more, and has, and and can actually pass the ball. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Same, but, same with Zuzi. I think that the thing with Zuzi that we saw is that, that since Zuzi w- played more centrally, it allowed Yedlin to get up forward more, which was also kind of a bad thing for the, de- right. the defense. But um, I, I don't, I don't mind that whole look. But de- definitely, like if we, I would rather use just our better wingers right. to start off the match. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, there's an argument to be made that Klinsman was going for a more defensive lineup to start off the match. That's what it seemed like. The midfield especially is where you look yeah. at that. I mean, Beckerman, Bradley, and Jones, just very... That's three very defensive mids. 
Yeah, basically three defensive mids, and it was a huge contrast to what we saw in the second half where we were moving forward. There was a lot more back passes in the first half, and we just didn't seem to be carrying most of the possession in in their side of the half. No, we we didn't. We didn't create a whole lot in the first half. That being said, you know, Ecuador had a couple of... We had a couple of scary moments. Jefferson Montero is a a really good player. Uh, I I don't know how he doesn't play more. Yeah. Although Yedlin, in the first 10 minutes, did did give him a run for his money. He made yeah. two nice challenges on him. Yeah, and I think part of the plan was for Yedlin to go forward, like you said. And that left a lot of space. We didn't see that in the second half, necessarily. Um, and for, for Jefferson Montero, wasn't really you. we didn't really see him much in the second half, did we? I, I don't remember any standout moments. Yeah. I do remember a couple of plays in the first half, though, where, where he looked dangerous. Um you know, first half wasn't great, but this is the first time this team has played together for a while, and you know it, it was fine in yeah. my opinion. I think I think a lot a lot of people are more frustrated with the first half than they should be, in my opinion. We'll see what happens against Bolivia. Um, I, I'm not too doom and gloom about it, especially since Klinsman did make the proper adjustments. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think. Most of the defensive errors we, we saw in the first half, yeah, like you said, Jefferson Montero was a big threat. We're more from the sides than centrally. I thought our center back pairing in uh, Steve Birnbaum and John Anthony Brooks were pretty solid. Yeah. 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 I, think, I think you can trust Steve Birnbaum. I'm really, really impressed by him. And, you know, the fact that Barisha Dortmund was scouting him and he's linked heavily to a move to Feyenoord this summer proves that. It validates his play. And, you know, if Jeff Cameron is not 100% fit, which it seems like he might not be, I, w- I would not mind Steve Birnbaum playing. And to be honest, I would much rather see him playing than Michael Orozco Fiscal at center back. Uh, and, you know, Matt, Matt Beasler and John Brooks I'd be fine with too, but I don't think Klinsman would play two left-footed center backs. Uh, but I was impressed with Steve Birnbaum. And John Brooks, you know, he continues to just get better and better. And I'm glad U.S. fans who maybe don't keep tabs on him, who don't uh, follow his game in Germany, are seeing what kind of player he is and what kind of player he can become. He's still a young player, and he was one of the top center backs in Germany this year. So I'm really, really excited to see what he can do in this tournament. And, you know, he did not look that great, uh, that great last summer, but I think a lot of that had to do with playing with Ventura Alvarado. Yeah. Uh, And just looking back at that, I can't believe that was a thing. I think it's nice... I feel like we're we're we have a pretty big safety net with Steve Birnbaum because obviously, like you said, Jeff Cameron's probably going to be starting right. uh, in this tournament, which is kind of nice because it feels like this is the most tense time in terms of keeping right. for the U.S. Even though I don't think Brad Guzan did a bad job. I mean, he kept a clean sheet. But I actually thought he had a great match. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the most confident I've seen him look in a really long time since we went to the Azteca and got a draw uh, in, in World Cup qualifying last time around. Uh, he never looked like that during the season for Aston Villa. He never had the command of his box. I mean, to be fair, I think John Brooks is a better defender than Julian Lescott for Aston Villa. Um, but, I, you know, he had command of the box. He looked confident. You know, there's a couple of times where he fumbled the ball. But for the most part, you know, I thought he had a strong, strong match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so let's go to the second half. We saw the midfield change up a little bit with... Um, Bradley moving back into a more defensive midfield position and Nagby coming on. Right. And just going back to the first half, this ties into the second half. You know, 
really the second striker, you know, we were playing a 4-3-3, but really the second player up the pitch was Michael Bradley. Right from kickoff, you saw Dempsey press the ball, and Bradley was pretty much right behind him. And, you know, that's why I think the move to D-mid was so good for him in the second half, because he had the, he had the match in front of him. He was able to pick out some passes immediately in the 46th minute. Immediately in the 46th minute, he does a great crossfield ball to Bobby Wood. Wonderful crossfield ball. Uh, Bobby Wood isn't able to really corral the ball. Um, it's not a great touch, but it was a great pass. And then two minutes later, three minutes later in the 49th minute, Michael Bradley makes a great defensive play yeah. and ushers the, well, takes the ball off of Menia, right? And is, it uh, pushes yeah. out of bounds. I'm, uh, yeah, I still, I still think that we got a little bit lucky there. It was kind of a yeah. poor touch by Menia, Menia but... But, but Michael Bradley can yeah, defend. Michael Bradley. And the thing is, I am a huge fan of Kyle Beckerman. You know that. I just, I don't think, I think his legs are pretty much gone. He can't move up the pitch like he was able to. And Michael Bradley, while he did drop between the center backs sometimes, you saw Kyle Beckerman consistently do that in the first half. And the whole team moved back with him. Michael Bradley, when he's playing Demon, you feel like we have a more shot at possession. It's not only him. It had to do with also having Nagby in there. But the, it just seemed like the whole match was in front of the U.S. at that point, and we were able to have that possession. And like I said, the big change for me was Darlington Nagby in the midfield. Yeah. And I, and I think it's really... I mean, you, you can say that, you know, Beckerman's going to stay back more, but the fact is we got more possession, and you did see less, less I think, less attack um, from your wingers like Jefferson Montero in the, in the second yeah. half. Right. And... It does look more attacking. It does look more scary initially on the counterattack, but we are getting more possession, which I think in its own way is a defense. Yeah, I mean, conversely, so. I thought our I thought our defense looked stronger in the second half. like Because like you said, Jefferson Montero was pretty neutralized. I think really both their shots came in the first half. So I, I don't know about that. But, you know, let, well, let's talk about Darlington Agni. This guy's got to be a starter. I mean, he's constantly moving the ball forward, you know? He finds those passes and makes them. And that's the thing. Kyle Beckerman, I think he does have that ability, but Kyle Beckerman will always choose to make the safer pass. And I think Nagby, it's not like he's choosing dangerous passes, but he sees the play and just ushers the ball forward. And that's something I've been saying for the last, like, six months. I feel like I say that in every podcast. Nagby knows how to navigate space. He knows how to push the ball forward and sort of, be a facilitator in the central, yeah, yeah, central midfield. And I think another part about Nagby that I really like is that he doesn't need a perfect pass for him to get his run going. It no. seems like he's already gotten his run going once right. he, the ball touches his feet. Right, and you know, I don't think... I, one pass comes to mind where Nagby plays Pulisic forward on the left wing. Remember when Pulisic did that ball roll uh, and then yeah, crossed into yeah. the box? I mean, that pass was great. You know, that, he, he's decisive. And he knows what he's doing. Nagby, in the, set, in, in the match, 33, 33 for 33 passing. Wow. And it wasn't negative passes. You no. know, it was going forward. And, you know, even Bradley, 61 for 65 passing. So I thought those two had very, very good matches. And, you know, the Bradley to D made it, Nagby in the midfield made a huge, huge difference. In the first half, we had 45% possession with a 79% pass completion. In the second half, we had 55% possession with 87% pass completion. So that just shows you how that restructure midfield helped us with possession. You know, I think, like you said, there's sort of that uh, misconception that Kyle Breckerman equals possession for the team. I don't know if that's true. At least yeah. now. At least, least in And also at least not, not good possession. I mean, yeah. it's not... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. 
And, you know, Ecuador, Ecuador took this match seriously. I think eight of the 11 starters in this match started in their last World Cup qualifier. You know, this is a good team. This is a 12th-ranked team in the world. This team is at the top of Comnable qualifying. I know it's a friendly, but this is a good team. And even Colombia, Colombia, the national team, they printed a story today saying how the U.S. is coming to play and how they beat Ecuador. And it was kind, it was kind of funny. I mean, I was reading the translated web page, so it was kind of, you know, I didn't really understand what they were saying. Um, but someone posted about it and yeah. sort of did a translation. So it, it was... It was I think there's a lot more positives to be taken from this game than people are taking. And like I said, like I have said, I am probably one of the bigger critics of Klinsman. Not like not in terms of prominence, but just in how much I criticize Klinsman. I'm a I'm very very critical of Jurgen Klinsman. But I I feel like some people are blindly critical to Jurgen Klinsman, just like people are blindly in his camp. Right. You know, it, it's very easy to nitpick. And it does worry me that Zardes and Zuzi and Beckerman might still start, but I feel like, I really do feel like Klinsman saw this and will make a change. I hope so. I, I think so too. I, I don't think you should take who starts in a friendly to really tell heart. No. I don't because, think so. I mean, there's fitness. I mean, there's plenty of things to, right. to, to keep Well, and it's three matches in like 10 days or nine yeah. days, so I'm sure there'll be some shuffling around. Um, we're not going to get the same midfield pairing every single time. And another thing, later in the second half, Ali Bedoya did a great job in the central midfield too. And we actually we ran a poll on our Twitter account today. Um, go check us out at Soccer Bros Pod. The link to our Twitter is in the description, so you can participate in these polls. Uh, which uh, U.S. men's national team midfield do you prefer? Jones, Bradley, Beckerman? Jones, Nagby, Bradley? Bedoya, Nagby, Bradley? Or Bradley, Nagby, Beckerman? And 50% of the people voted for Bedoya, Nagby, Bradley. 24 came in with Bradley, Nagby, Beckerman. Um, but we didn't see Bradley, Nagby, Beckerman, right? No, we didn't. Because we didn't. Nagby came out for Beckerman. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We didn't see it. But, um, I mean, I think, I don't know I don't know why that's second. I feel like Jones is, pro- is a better choice than Beckerman. Um, but, you know, I, I get it. Um, the point is, people want to see Bedoya, Nagby, and Bradley in the midfield. And that's not to say Jermaine Jones is not a good player still. He can offer a lot off the bench. And, and it is fantastic to be having this debate right now. You know what I mean? Having this... I don't remember having a midfield like this where uh, you can just insert any player and be fine. You know, Even if you did Jones, Jones, Nagby, and Bedoya, if Bradley can't play or something, I think I would be comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I just it was it was worth the hype waiting for Nagby for that long. Oh yeah, <laughs> up until September twenty fifteen. Yeah, the next one's Kakuta Mane, man. <laughs> yeah, this September. Uh, so you you mentioned Christian Pulisic before, and I think he was either the last sub or the second to last sub to come on. But he, I thought he played very well. What what did you think about his game? Uh yeah, he. Oh man, the 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 one play that stands out to in my mind was towards the end of the match where we were trying to keep, hold on to the ball uh, to run out the clock, where he shouldered off defenders, spun around, got on the end of his own ball. I mean, I mean you're pulling it off right now on Twitter. I mean, this, this play is, I mean, it's incredible. Everything you want it's, in an outside midfielder. Exactly, right? and it's everything you think Jurgen Klinsmann wants in an outside midfielder because he shows his commitment to the defense, 
but he also has the pace, the touch, the vision, the instincts to be an impact player going forward. And really, he does look like the best player on the pitch when he is on the pitch. And I really think he should be a starter with this team. I want to see Nagby, or excuse, well, I do want to see Nagby, but I want to see Pulisic, Wood, and Dempsey up front. Uh, I think that's the best case scenario. Um, you know, maybe even Dempsey out wide, but I don't think say? that's going to happen. Pulisic, Dempsey, and Wood. Oh, I thought you said Nagby for a second. Sorry, I, 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 might, I might have. But I, I meant Pulisic, Nag... No, I keep on saying Nagby. <laughs> Pulisic, Wood, and Dempsey. Those are the three I'd like to see up front. Um, because, like I said, Pulisic, I think, can provide that defensive cover uh, when need be. But he's also our most, the talented, most talented attacking player. Maybe yeah. besides Fabian Johnson at this point. Right, and I think... With the squad, you're going to make it clear that Bobby Johnson's going to be playing left back. Yeah, and he did a good job. Yeah, yeah, he's he, he solid. Um, yeah, and even in the uh, in the 75th minute, he uh, like you were saying that run before he did a ball roll and he just looked really smooth on the ball right. and he did send it across. I think Zou- was it Zuzi? Someone was in the wrong position. Yeah, uh, I mean it was you know it was it was a good cross. Yeah. Um, with his with his weak foot and. In the two matches he's played, he hasn't scored goals, but he's always been in position to maybe score a goal. Altidore's final goal against Guatemala, he was there in the box. Remember, Bedoya put that cross across, put a cross across the face of goal. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that, was, that was right before that. Right, that Pulisic couldn't about. finish. He, and Pulisic was in the box right in front of Nagby when Nagby scored. He's always in those positions, and I mean, eventually the goal is going to come. Yeah. Uh, but also, Zuzi made a great run before that. Before he sent it across to Bedoya, who sent it across to or tried to get it to Pulisic or tried. To oh, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah on the I same mean, on the same run of play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought you were talking about the goal for a second. Um, Zuzi wasn't in the game for that, but that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Zuzi, I think I got a little bit more excited about Zuzi. Uh, you know, I was oh, yeah. w- wondering why he was. In, I in the definitely team. didn't expect him to do that well at winger. Um, no, and I think in the first half he didn't do that great. But in the second half, you saw the same type of Zussi we saw against Jamaica in his World Cup qualifying debut. Uh, that match we were at, remember, in Columbus back in, what, 2012? Um, so, you know, he, he played well. I still don't think he's a starter, but you can't, you can't undervalue his set-piece play, his, his delivery. Yeah. That being said, Pulisic has, been, has taken set-pieces and, and corners, well, only corners, for Borussia Dortmund. I mean, he he's perfectly capable of taking those set pieces. Yeah, but what Zuzi? I think Zuzi had two or three assists in the World Cup, if I remember correctly. Two, two, yeah. To John Brooks and to Dempsey, one from the runner play and one from a corner. Okay, right. Yeah, but he did. He was always delivering some dangerous balls into the. Oh, Dempsey was the uh, the the Portugal um, match. The um, yeah, yeah, the lower portion growing goal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, let's talk. Uh, if we talk about the goal more in depth, so uh, Yedlin had a ha- uh, Yedlin had a header, but then it was cleared out of the way poorly by the Ecuadorian defense, and then it went to Wood, and then Wood headed it uh, over. And Pulisic let it, you know, come past him, and then it went over into Nagby, who I think had a touch and then volleyed it. He chested it out. Or chested, yeah. And Nagby had a cross. Nagby crossed into the box, or not Nagby. Yedlin crossed into the box. He didn't head it into the box. Oh, right, right, right. He, he made that, you know, he was... Right. He was moved up the to right wing. Clearance, right. Yeah, yeah. He, he was 
he was moved into that right wing position, which, you know, I don't really like, but he made a great move to beat that Ecuadorian defender and put that cross in. And Bobby's Bobby Wood's perseverance and his, like I said, his awareness to cushion that ball to Nagby is fantastic. Nagby, not the greatest chest down, but he was able to finish. And, you know, you see Yedlin, Nagby, uh, Wood, Pulisic all in there, and it's very, very exciting. Uh, and I remember just screaming last night when they scored. I was like, that's our future or something. I don't know if you remember that. Um, <laughs> but, like, it is our future. I mean... Pulisic is 17. Nagby's 25. I mean, he's not young. Yedlin's 21, 22. Wood is 22. 20, he's 23 now. I mean, those are still young guys. They have maybe two, three World Cup cycles. And if they can continue to develop, and if they can create plays like that and be in, be in positions like that, it only bodes well for the national team. And the goal, you know, it's a goal in the friendly, but I think the narrative is completely different if we draw that game 0-0. I mean, the win is just mentally for the U.S. national team is huge, I think, to beat a team like Ecuador, to have Nagby score his first goal. I think it's huge for the team. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you were talking to me yesterday after the match about, or maybe it was this morning, the importance of results and friendlies. Um, and you were saying you think it is important. And I agree with you. I, I think you, you sort of have to balance, you know, the team you're playing, um, the team you're fielding. I mean, there's a lot of different a lot of different uh, factors and variables. But ultimately, bottom line, mentally, winning always helps. Yeah. Not only in the minds of the players, but in the minds of the fans and the pundits and everyone around. And it creates much less toxic of a situation. And if we can get another win against Bolivia, we go into the tournament on a high, and maybe we can you know, get a draw or even eke out a win against Colombia. Oh yeah, right, definitely. Um, on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time or Central time, we'll be playing Bolivia, uh, in Kansas, and that's gonna be on Fox Sports One. So yeah. check that uh, that out. Uh, that'll be the U.S.'s last friendly, uh, before their first match of the Copa America. Yeah, and that's in that's at Sporting KC's, uh, home ground. So it should be a great atmosphere. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully uh, we get to see Beasler. Yeah, or, I mean Zussi too. Yeah, <laughs> I just assumed those would be playing. Remember Zussi scored. The World Cup qualifier in Kansas City. Who was that against? Do you remember? Jamaica. Oh. It was it was okay, it, it was, was a match that didn't time. matter. Right, right, right. It was a match that didn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was in the hex. We watched the Jamaica match in the other round of qualifying. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on, uh, the other big match that's happening on Saturday uh, is the Champions League final between Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited. I like how you said the other big match. Like, <laughs> it's the a, big match. Yeah, yeah, it's in the shadows of U.S. <laughs> U.S. national team against Bolivia. In a friendly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's exciting. It's a very, very interesting matchup. Um, you know, we saw it two years ago in the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid, more or less the same team. Uh, no Angel Di, Di Maria for them. Um, Atletico Madrid, a completely different team. Uh, you know, no Diego Costa, even though he only played for 10 minutes, no Miranda, um, you know, there's no, Tiago's not there, um, there's their central midfield, I mean, their whole, their whole team's a little different, no Thibaut Courtois, um, you know, they have Fernando Torres, Saul, these guys, um, but it, it's really, really interesting, uh, and what, what I was getting at is, it's absolutely incredible what Diego Simeone has done, time and time again, having to restructure his team, Almost every year. Uh, you know, you have that core of Godin and Gabby, really. I mean, 
that's really the only Felipe Luis left and came back. Yeah, um, and they, they had Courtois that two yeah, years ago. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I just said. Oh, yeah. um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a completely different team. Real Madrid's similar team, but a different coach, different tactics. Um, and I think it, it's really going to show in this match. It should, it should be a very, very contentious. I don't see a whole lot of goals. Yeah. Uh, and and Godin actually is a huge piece because he's coming back for the first time. He's been, he's been out since April, I think, and uh, he's going to be playing in the Champions League final, according to Diego Simeone. And um, yeah, I mean, he and Jimenez yeah. that Uruguayan partnership. I'm excited to see at the Copa America too. Uh, the only injury uh, that's going to affect the game is Rafael Varane, who will not be playing. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. But Ronaldo, calm down, Real Madrid fans. Everything according to Zinedine Zidane is going to be okay. He yeah. limped in practice, but whatever. He's, he's, yeah. he's kind of Well, I mean, he probably won't be 100%. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone really is at this point in the season. Yeah. Um, but as I was saying, I'm excited to see Godin play along with Jimenez. I think that's a great centership, center back partnership. They do still have Juan Fran and Felipe Luis. So the defense is three out of the four are there from the 2014 final. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very, very exciting. I'm very excited for this match. I think it's going to be one of the best Champions League finals in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, Diego Simeone says that uh, he doesn't believe in a revenge, but I think for the players, they're going to they're gonna want to win this one after what happened two years ago. Or at least the ones right. that are still there. <laughs> Real Madrid has won one match in the last ten against Atletico Madrid. I mean, and that one match was the Champions League final. Yeah. So Atletico Madrid really, really want this. And no matter what happens, you have to say that Atletico Madrid have cemented themselves as one of the top five teams in Europe. Um as, at least as long as Diego Simeone stays there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, six and five and four in the last fifteen matches for Atletico Madrid against Real Madrid, and uh, huge years for Spain too. This will be the first time that there's uh, this is the longest consecutive streak of Champions League winners from a country since the seventies when England won six in a row. But this is gonna be three winners in a row for Spain, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, no matter well, and, and they is. get they get the double with Sevilla winning again. Yeah. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So three years in a row for both Europa League and Champions League. Definitely, they're just really consistent sides in Europe and in league play. Yeah. Um. All right. So I mean, I, a lot of people are talking about Ronaldo and maybe he hasn't won enough. Uh. You know, he won La Decima. He's won one La Liga title. But does he need? Do you think he needs to win this match? To or another major trophy, maybe this match, maybe another title next year, um, to cement his legacy for Real Madrid specifically. Uh, I don't think so. Um, yeah, they didn't win many leagues. They won one, um, but I mean, they've had so much success, and a lot of that is because of Ronaldo. Pretty much all of it. What success? Ronaldo. Being one of the top teams in the world. I guess though they they were one of the top teams before Ronaldo came. Um, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna backtrack. Yeah, if it wasn't Ronaldo, it'd be someone else, right? Probably, but Ronaldo consistently. I love Ronaldo. I'm just trying to play like. Yeah, Ronaldo. no, no, I know. <laughs> I, I, consistently, Ronaldo has been one of the two best players in the world, though, for the past yeah. six or seven years. And you know, a lot of the time, Ronaldo has put this team on his back. Remember that team with Beckham, Zidane, Roberto Carlos, all those guys? They didn't even win a Champions League. It's not easy. It's not easy when every year you're competing with Barcelona and now Atletico Madrid for a title, and also to win a Champions League. I mean, that's why, that's why teams don't do it that often. Barcelona yeah. had a little bit of a drought. Bayern Munich did. Um, you know, they, they haven't even been back to the final since they won. Um, 
you know, English teams aren't winning it. It's, it's not easy. So I, I don't think it's really fair to narrow it down to this match. Like, this is a defining match of Ronaldo's club career. Because I think if they lose, I don't think we're going to look at his career any differently. If they win, we might look at his career, you know. Well, what if what if he, yeah, and I guess if he doesn't show up, we would say, oh, he was hurt. Yeah, exactly. So, so, I, so I, I don't know. He doesn't show up as in, like, doesn't show up play well. Yeah. But, uh, it's a tough question. Yeah, I think a key for this game, it's been so interesting watching uh, the contrast in, in the attack from two years ago to now. I mean, it was led by Diego Costa, one of the best strikers in the world at that point, two years ago. And now we've got this interesting pairing of Antoine Griezmann, who's been one of the best attackers in La Liga this season, who um, and Fernando Torres. And Fernando Torres used to be uh, the poacher, you know, the guy who used to get in the box. But mm-hmm. now he's playing a lot of hold-up play, and he's allowing Griezmann to overlap him. Um, with that pace that the Frenchman has, and uh, it's an interesting role. He's really yeah fitting well into that attack. Yeah, and he he has been. He's been sort of a re- re- revelation, and it's really great to see him sort of resurrect his career after that failed stint at Chelsea. Uh, and he's allowing Antoine, like you said, Antoine Griezmann to be the player he's being. And the way that Atletico Madrid plays, they really need those two strikers up there, and they need Torres to play well consistently, and that's what he has done. Yeah, do you think that, obviously a lot of the major superpowers in the world right now are playing with the 4-3-3. Do you think that if Atletico Madrid wins the Champions League this year, that, that changes world soccer's view a little bit? Because 4-3-3 is now like known as kind of like the modern formation. Or, uh, but, you know, they might win it right now. They might win Europe with uh, two strikers up top. Well, not only that, Leicester City won the Premier League with two that, strikers up top. So I think, I think, yeah, I think absolutely it could change... Uh, how teams play and maybe go back to the four four two because a lot of teams are afraid to do that. They think they only need one striker. I think there are merits to all, both the formations, but you know, to do what Atletico Madrid and Leicester City do, you really need the right players. You need players who are committed to the cause defensively, who are going to be in the right position and who won't go out of position. And I think a lot you need players with discipline and i don't know if all teams have players with that much discipline and i think it's a credit to Ranieri for Leicester but Simeone because no he's always able to instill that into his players but yeah i think it could i think it could I, even if atletico don't win i think we could see it more and more in the future yeah definitely um all right so why, why don't we get into our predictions for this game what what do you think first of all who do you think is going to come on top i think Atletico Madrid's going to win. I think they're playing so well right now. Not that Real Madrid aren't, um, but I think just the way they play, they're going to frustrate Real Madrid. Um, they're going to frustrate Modric and Cruz if he's playing with uh, th- those high with that high pressure. Um, you know, it's, it's really going to be up to Ronaldo and Bale on those wings to get into open space and for Modric and Cruz um, or Casemiro to find those guys. And... I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And I think, you know, Real Madrid's going to have possession. They're going to win the shot count. All, all Atletico Madrid need is a counterattack or a set piece um, where Diego Godin can get on the end, where Antoine Griezmann can use his pace up the pitch. Um, I mean, not that they can't create their own goals. We saw Saul do it uh, yeah. in, in the semifinals. But I, I, I just think that... Atletico Madrid is going to be able to frustrate them. There's a reason why they've had Real Madrid's number for so long and, and will be able to come out on top. Um, 
for me, it's it's more of a toss up. I think Real Madrid are odds on the favorites in in, in this match, but I I really think that this is Atletico Madrid's year. And, yeah. And it, sorry, so just one more thing. I think it really comes down to Zinedine Zidane's adjustments and how he goes about this match tactically. And I think Casemiro is going to be huge here yeah, to be able to yeah. stop the, the to stop those counterattacks and to be able to distribute the ball uh, to Modric and Cruz and have them go forward. Um, but I don't know, you know, we don't know, because Atletico Madrid, Simeone does these tactical changes on a dime, uh, where he changes formation, he moves Saul from the wing uh, to, to defensive midfield, right? he does all this stuff. It, it's going to be interesting to see how Zidane copes with that as an inexperienced manager. Yeah, I definitely think that could come into play. But like you said, Real Madrid can definitely win the shot count. I mean, they're, going, long, they're I, going to. Yeah, but but it's all about the man in between the sticks for Atletico Madrid, Oblak, who has the most saves and most clean sheets in the Champions League this year, and he's been done a sensational job. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been fantastic. Yeah. But on the other end, you have Kaylor Navas, another absolute world class goalkeeper. Yeah, so. definitely representing Concacaf. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Casimiro is going to be huge. Shut, shut those down and set pieces, of course, because I mean, what like three. The Champions League uh, final ended at four one, I think, two years ago, yeah. and three goals, two one off penalty, two off corners, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah, and um, and the most important goal, Sergio Ramos's header, was the one that really decided it. Yeah. I'd uh, send an extra time in Real Madrid to gain momentum and wear them out. Right. Where I thought it Madrid out, but. I mean, and they got a lot of big bodies too. They have Sergio Ramos, uh, Pepe, who will play because since Varane won't. Uh, I mean, Bale and Ronaldo can have the ball. Benzema. Um, I mean, they they got a lot of they got a lot of bodies in there that can get on the end of a corner kick and, and score. Yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna say because um, I haven't made my prediction yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say Real Madrid wins three one after extra time, oh, and it goes wow. into extra time one one. So you think like they score early in extra time, and there's. Another counterattacking goal late as yeah, Real Madrid is yeah. trying to score. Yeah, I can see that happening. And I, and I think uh, I think Atletico Madrid will, will score first. Okay. Yeah. I think I. I, I and, and it will be a, it will be a pretty even match in, in extra time, but Real Madrid will just once again pull away. And they've been right. playing so well at the end. But right. I, but I mean anything. Right. My question is, and I is it still a derby if it's not being played in one of the stadiums in the city? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what I'm just saying. In your opinion, what do you think? Because this is play, being played in Milan, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Technically, it was the New York Derby for the Red Bulls and the NYCFC, and one team plays in a different state. So I don't know. Oh, that's true. But I don't know if you even can count them. I don't know. If this is a different country. Right? I don't know what the traditional... Well, yeah, I don't know what the traditional definition is. I would say no, because that culture is not necessarily there. It'll be contentious, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's going to be... Maybe Diego Simeone doesn't believe in revenge, but believe me, the fans do. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, it's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can catch that Saturday at 3.45, I believe. And 2.45. 2.45? Eastern, okay. Eastern time. Eastern time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but with that... Uh, let's... On Fox. On Fox. Regular Fox. Regular Fox, yeah. right, right. 30, uh, sorry, 36. 36 for, <laughs> for if us, you live yeah. in... Uh, to Northwest Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's talk about ambitious strike one more time. 
Let's do it. Go check out Ambitious Strike and their incredible soccer-themed apparel and use the code BROTHERS at checkout on their website, ambitiousstrike.com, to get a 15% off discount on your entire purchase. The link to that is always in the description. We have an email for this podcast. at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, please. We will answer them. And uh, you can review and rate us if you're on iTunes or like us or follow us if you're on SoundCloud. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, d- definitely check Instagram, us out. Facebook. Right, check us out on social media and t- on all social media. And our twitters will be there as well. Our personal twitters. Um, next week we'll have a review of the Champions League uh, and also the friendly. We'll also be previewing the Copa America. We are going to have Tom Marshall on of ESPN FC to talk about uh, the Mexican national team. I'm very, very excited about that. I do not know we're announcing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. confirmed. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're very, very excited. And we'll see you guys next time for episode 45 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Mm-hmm.